Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Football Repeat. And what a week it has been. A great week in the UCL, a great week in the Europa League, and another amazing weekend in the leagues all around Europe. So let's start it off. So before we start this time, I asked my friends to ask us to ask us some good questions for the podcast here. So let's see what we have here. Okay, so the first two questions are pretty obvious. The first question is, who do you think is going to end up in the top four of the Premier League here? What is your opinion? Um, I think obviously uh, the titles and uh, titles between uh, Liverpool and Man City, that's obvious. Yeah. Um, and I think after looking at the run of fixtures, uh, I think Tottenham is gonna definitely finish in the top four despite uh, giving a tough fixture away at Man City. Kane is injured as well, though. Sorry. Kane is also injured for them, but that, that's yeah. gonna be a big yeah, blow. But- yeah, but I think Maruzio Pochettino has been a great manager. I mean, even without his key players, he has done really well uh, on many occasions. So I think Tottenham might be ending in the top four for me. And uh, looking at the other three teams, Arsenal, Chelsea and Man United, this was a very difficult decision for me. Chelsea haven't played, uh, played one more game than uh, the others are probably uh, at 65 points. And they've still got to play Man United away and Liverpool away. So, I don't see them winning those two games. Maybe they might draw, but they they can definitely not win those games. Um, so, I think Chelsea will miss out. And looking at Arsenal, uh, Arsenal have got very, very, very tricky pictures. They've got Leicester away. They've got Watford away. They've got Wolves away. So, and looking at Arsenal's poor away record, yeah. they, they've even lost to... They've even lost to, uh, I think, Southampton uh, away from home. And uh, last week, obviously, at Everton, Everton were really, really good. So, I think Arsenal might just drop out of the top four. And I think Man United, even they've got uh, very tough fixtures against Chelsea at home, Man City at home, and Everton away. I think those are the three fixtures uh, that I think are going to be the trickiest of fixtures. But I think Man United might just nick it in. I don't... Uh, no doubt, Ollie's uh, probably final, you know, uh, season-ending tactics. Okay, so your final order. Um, so I think, oh, okay. I don't want Man City to win the quarter before the first. So I, I think I want Liverpool to win the title. So Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, and Man United is my order. And fifth is going to be Arsenal, and sixth is going to be Chelsea. Okay, so I actually I have three teams that you have. But I, 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 I don't think Spurs are going to get through. I just really don't see them getting through. I think Arsenal and Chelsea have a better chance. Because Spurs, at the moment, I don't know where they're going to get the goals from uh, without Harry Kane. I mean, Son is doing well. They've got Son on men, yeah. Son yeah, and Delhi Ali, who knows? Delhi Ali. You're a big fan of Delhi Ali and still yeah. you don't... Uh, but I, I don't see him as an out-and-out goal scorer, but... I think he Kane, needs to, like if Christian Eriksen, if Christian Eriksen is good enough to put him in good balls, then I think Ali is capable enough of scoring. You know what I think? If Chelsea put out this lineup that they put out when they won three 0 against, uh, I don't remember who who did they play this the week before. West uh, Ham. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they started Hudson Odoi and Hazard and Ruben Loftus Cheek. If Sari can put out that line-up uh, consistently, I think they have a great chance of finishing in the top four. Because I think Ross, uh, sorry, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been 
the missing chink in the armor, I guess, because he's he just brings another dimension to this midfield, which I don't think Barkley or Kovacic can do that. So I think Chelsea are gonna end up in the top four, and uh, Man United are gonna end up. So my order is gonna be City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. So you're thinking Chelsea is gonna finish third despite having Liverpool away and Man United away. I think they're gonna take so, points off Liverpool this week. I think it's gonna be a draw this week. I don't see Liverpool uh, but beating Chelsea. Considering Chelsea's Chelsea's form against the big six away from home hasn't been great, do you still think that they can pull it off some somehow against Liverpool? See, I I actually I think uh, Chelsea are quite good. Uh, like not away from home, but I think they're in good form currently. They won yesterday in the Europa League of Football. So they've been on. They've won four out of four, I guess. So, and Liverpool haven't been performing that well. Means they have been winning games, but the, it's been coming down to the wire. Like they've won really late games, so that might be playing in. And of course, they have the nerves of winning the title after 30 years. So that might just play into Chelsea's hand here. So I, I, I am expecting a draw at Anfield oh, this week. That's interesting. And uh, so, and it all comes down to then the Chelsea Man United game, which is going to be huge. And uh, what do you think about the fifth and sixth positions? So, yeah, uh, Spurs and Arsenal. Right, I think uh, Spurs are going to end up above Arsenal. I, the reason I uh, before uh, like, if you would have asked me two weeks before, I would have said Arsenal are going to finish in the top four. But just looking at the away form, like it's been so dreadful. Like they were so bad against yeah. Everton away from home that I just don't have confidence in them anymore. Yesterday yeah, they played really well against Watford. Watford are rejuvenated right now. Watford are rejuvenated right now, and Watford are very dangerous right now. And Wolves at home, you know what they did to teams. So. Yeah, Wolves have been superb against top six anyway. Uh, but yesterday they had a great performance against Napoli, though. But. I don't know how much. Yeah, they're only the good at Emirates. That, that's something that I don't yeah. don't understand. Even in the final days of Arsene Wenger, it was the same case. Arsenal weren't too good away from home, and they were uh, they were just relying on their home forms. I think uh, that's something Unai Emery needs to sort out. Yeah, so that's of course okay. So my final top, uh, my final four is City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, and uh, Spurs, Arsenal. Oh, okay. Cool. So the next question is uh, another pretty straightforward question. It's who's going to win the PFA Player of the Year? Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to rank your top three, and I'll do the same. So take the stage. Okay. So like uh, you want me to rank three, like the top three players who, who, yeah, who should, should be... win? Yeah, the best performing players of the season. Okay. Uh, so that's an interesting question. Okay. So should um, I go first? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I of course have two City players and one Liverpool player. Uh, so my num- at number three I have Bernardo Silva. I think he's just been sensational this season. Just uh, in the absence of Kevin De Bruyne, who I think is the best midfielder in the Premier League, I think he's he's not made Man City miss him, which has just been some superb. And he he he's a guy who can play at all different positions. He can play as in the wing. He can play. In the midfield, he he's great at defensive work, and I think whatever Pep asks him to do, he does amazingly, and that's why Pep is a great fan of him, and he's been sensational. I, I don't know how much, how to describe him this season. It's just he's just been superb. So and uh, yeah. my number two is Raheem Sterling. So so I think you know who my number one is gonna be. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So uh, talking about Raheem Sterling, like this guy is gonna be a superstar, man. I I predict he's gonna win. 
the Ballon d'Or at least once after Messi and Ronaldo retire. I just really think if he just continues playing like this, he's just been so good under Pep. Like last two years, he's, his finishing has improved since his finishing has improved amazingly. His on the ball presence is amazing, and he just he he's he's great at finding space, and he's just been superb this season. I just don't know what to say about him. And number one is. Of course, the he's he's probably going to win it. It's Virgil Van Dijk. Like I don't know where Liverpool would have been without him. I seriously don't. Like if you take him out of that Liverpool team, I think it's going to unravel like seriously badly because they depend on him so much for defensive work, and he's improved their defense so much. Like seriously, it's he's made Liverpool into it's probably the best defense in the Premier League. I think they've considered the least goals. So it's if one player can make that much of an effect, I think it just speaks volume about him. Okay, so these are my top three. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think pretty satisfying. I think from your point of view, I think uh, very very good three choices. And in, in fact, so talking about mine, I think yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to say shout out at number four to Eden Hazard. Oh, okay. So Hazard missed out for you. Yeah. Well, I basically had five players to be missed in my mind, but since you have just okay, told us to sort it out, uh, no, okay, I'll I'll be fine with uh, top three to be honest. And so just starting off, I think at number three, I think I would be putting in uh, Virgil Van Dijk at number three. Seriously? Uh, just because, yep. Uh, okay. Because yeah, because I think. uh the reason why you know van dijk obviously has transformed liverpool into a very good uh, team to be honest but i think uh the, i have seen games where he hasn't been you know extraordinary or great and this is all that the media hype the media wants to hype it up that virgil van dijk hasn't been a revolutionary kind of a player but he has been a very good player but not to the uh, not to the hype that much media is creating right now about Virgil van Dijk so i think you know uh, he has been uh, very good but i think i've even seen the one vulnerable parts of Virgil van Dijk where probably i thought that okay this this was a moment where i think he could have been caught out uh, by players and he made a certain mistakes certain certain notable mistakes and he 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 was in situations where he could have been easily caught out and you know uh, if you want to give me give me give you examples then you remember the Ryan Babel goal and stuff like that and uh, and obviously the in the Spurs game the Sissoko incident i think Van Dijk was probably not i know in retracting position and stuff like that so but but despite that i think i think he has been absolutely brilliant this season and i think uh, You know, to be honest, uh, I think he he uh, comes at number three for me. Um, so number two, I was actually very desperate to put in Bernardo Silva in here, but uh, you know, I think uh, this this guy needs to come at number two. It's got to be Eden Hazard for me because you know mm-hmm. because Chelsea Chelsea this season, you no, know, where would have they been with, without Eden Hazard? Because This is a guy who's carrying literally a whole team on his shoulders, and I think Aiden Hazard, for all his criticism by famous YouTubers, 
United fans especially, uh, <laughs> you know who I mean. So, uh, with all due respect to all this criticism, he's, he's the only guy who tries to keep Chelsea going. I mean, like, you know, people say that uh, this guy's gone missing and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, but, but actually he has worked out a lot. I mean, like for Chelsea, he has been the guy who who can who can be the go-to man i mean like without him i think chelsea will will take a serious hit to be honest and i don't know what a dribbler he is and how good he is in linking up play with uh, other people and to be honest um, even in the west ham game i thought like higuain is now try sort of not uh, not very uh, you know good with him you know okay then so i'll stop you there for one minute and ask you one question who do you think yeah. is better uh, in the link up play with hazard is it jiru or uh, higuain i think it's jiru like he's better yeah i think yeah even i agree because higuain to be honest is very immobile you know even even before he came to the premier league you know this is the sort of a question everyone was asking about higuain that he is very immobile and premier league mostly requires mobile strikers and sari wanted to put in higuain in a sari ball system where in the striker kind of drops in deep and he can link the wide players uh, into the play so that they can cut in inside and make attacks for the chelsea players and the box to box midfielders obviously coming in and probably creating chances that is what sari ball system was and higuain has not been uh, not been doing that very well his finishing is uh, obviously has not been pretty good to be honest in his overall career and and in the premier league obviously yeah, the premier league pace is kind of uh catching him slow to be honest uh, at the moment and i think yeah i agree to you uh, giroud is a better partner to hazard to be uh, to be honest because this uh, even with france he's got those fast players uh, you know putting him balls and he links them really well so i think even if giroud doesn't score goals uh, giroud does the linking job very well so yeah, yeah he holds up the ball better also yeah but i think eden hazard you know this guy is just brilliant uh, he has been world class and like yeah probably he, uh, the reason why he's uh, the reason only because he's carrying chelsea on his shoulders and literally chelsea are where uh, they are now at the moment it's just because of eden hazard so i think i will put him at number 2 i think i put bernardo silva on number 4 because uh, you know I, to be honest i've i've watched a bit of him like not uh, as much as you have done because i have watched very good games of him especially the liverpool game where you beat uh, liverpool 2-1 he was phenomenal with his work rate you know he's absolutely brilliant bernardo silva obviously can play a lot of positions but i think this season if anyone's going to win it uh, it's got to be raheem sterling to be honest because uh, it's it's probably taken 3 seasons for this guy to you know transform into one of those uh, well renowned uh, world class uh, player players in uh, european football uh, that pep guardiola is renowned to produce at clubs you know his uh, wherever is gone he's uh, brought the best out of his fair player flair players you know at bayern you talk about ian robin tonkebri at barca obviously i don't have to tell about <laughs> which guy he brought the monster out of uh, with that 91 goal season and obviously at city i think he's done a very very good job with leroy sane and raheem sterling you know and i believe sane will improve a lot uh, in the coming seasons and guardiola has got the age by his side i think he he will uh, be a very very good player along with raheem sterling and you know he's just going to get better and better and i think the reason why raheem sterling deserves to win it 
is because uh, for all the stick that he's been getting uh, re- related to his finishing stuff, whatever you call it, because he was a terrible finisher, to be honest, uh, till last season. And this season, I think he has taken many of his chances that uh, that he would have probably missed last season. So I think Raheem Sterling has done a very, very great job uh, in improving himself. And I think he deserves to win it, to be honest. Yeah, so, okay, we're done with this question. So this next question is going to be great for you obviously and many people ask me this in fact many of my friends like message me saying uh, please cover this uh, question it's uh, the question is what are the signings that man united need to make to become to con- uh, like uh, to contest for the title next week, next year basically uh, you know what you're going to spoil my spoil my podcast you know i, I planned a whole lot of podcasts on this stuff but yeah okay so uh, since this question has like, yeah, yeah. So you, can intro, you can just get an intro in this one. Yeah. Anyway, I'm yeah. gonna do a detailed one. So yeah, that's an intro. So basically, look, uh, there's a difference. Okay. So basically, people are telling uh, if United want to win a title, they need five signings, and if United want to, you know, be like City and Liverpool, you know, uh, who are virtual quadruple contenders. I know Liverpool don't concentrate that much on cups, but if they can uh, put in some foes on those cups, I think they can probably, you know, have a good go at them. But if they, if people are, when people term uh, United need to become like City and Liverpool, I think that will require probably seven to eight signings from maybe nine. And a huge squad, uh, you know, probably clear out, you know. And if they just want to be Premier League contenders, then I think five to six signings at minimum is actually what's required at Man United. And whom do you say? Uh, so is there any budget limit that I've got uh, in selecting my players or I can just go run right anything like that? Okay, before that, I think we should just uh, go position by position. What do you say? Like, oh, like yeah, that's why I'm asking. Uh, is there any budget limit in this squad building or... Uh, I don't know. Like oh. you should know, like how much is the United budget? I guess I don't okay, have any so, idea about that. Okay, so I think um, okay. Let's let's keep the budget to 300, 300 million. Uh, apologize if I exceed it, but okay, I'm just uh, keeping a rough figure up to 300 million. So talking about a right back, yeah, definitely a right back. Um, we've got to get someone like a Thomas Munier or probably uh, Aaron Van Bissaka. Aaron Van Bissaka is the outstanding guy. Yeah, the top, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's obviously another debate that uh, Van Bissaka is another young player. He's got development uh, left in him. And at the same time, we've got Diogo Dalo as well. Uh, And Diogo Dalo uh, Dalo is developing at a very fast rate. I think he's he's playing very well whenever he's playing. Uh, I'm liking his performances. So, but uh, the reason why, uh, despite Dalo being at Man United, you need Van Bissaka is because Luke Shaw is the only player who can uh, play at left back. You know, beyond Luke Shaw, you don't have any proper replacement for left back. And I think after the Barcelona game, now I'm definitely sure that if you can chuck in Diogo Dalo at left back, then he can play. So, uh, mainly, uh, so you can rotate Dalo between right and left back. So, it's basically the right back that we have got to sort out. And I think that Anne Van Bissaka is someone who, who would be my first choice. And if you can get him, it's absolutely uh, amazing because he's going to be costly incredible, though. Uh, yeah, sorry? He's going to be costly though. Like, Crystal Palace, yeah, he's like, going to yeah, him, cost probably 50 or 60 uh, at, at the best, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
they learn a lot of money for him so yeah but uh, uh, but arman saka considering his interception stats are ridiculously good i mean like some say stats are very deceiving but like but uh, this is something that doesn't deceive uh, many uh, facts to be honest you know because he's intercepting the ball so many times uh, that that means that he's literally nullifying his side of attack so that's i think absolutely ridiculous i think manner can have a go at aaron van bissaka but i think uh, right now considering dalo's development i think uh, thomas munia wouldn't be a bad option as well so okay but still i'll go with van bissaka for 60 at uh, right back then it comes to uh, the center back position which obviously many people are interested in know so obviously kalidu kulebali is the first name that okay firstly come. can i just throw out a name there can i just yeah. throw out a name i think matias zilit No, no. Ng or Dilett? No, I think if Man United can get Samuel Umtiti, I think they should go all out, all guns blazing for him. Because, uh, uh, he, I think Barcelona uh, they they are they are hinting on a big overall in the summer because they they are they 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 have said that they want to sell 300 million worth of assets, and I think Umtiti is one of those people because they already have a great list of centre backs. Like if Dilett comes in, then it's basically Dilett, Longley, PK, and. Uh, I can't remember another yeah. guy he's also pretty good but I think Umtiti is very yeah Umtiti is very good but you know what his injury his injury record is not uh, that good to be honest he's injured half the time you know we don't want another Phil Jones to be honest who, who comes on and just injures his leg in 2 minutes and then he's out for probably 10 20 games you know Umtiti uh, uh, Umtiti has not played consistently this season now he's been very injury prone and I think uh Woodward should not gamble by bringing an injury injured players and i think uh, but uh, why what if you can yeah. get um, if you can keep umtiti fit i think he can be the virgil van dyke of man united cuz he's like equally good i think they, i think he's equally as good as van dyke cuz last year he was one of the best center backs in the world probably in the top 3 like yeah, last year he was phenomenal yeah even for barcelona last year like he was superb cuz yeah. so i think if they can keep him fit i think he'll be one of the best center backs in the world probably like if i think yeah but fitness is the issue like there, there are many players you know who people say that if this player had been fit then he would have been one of the greatest ever you know you can put gareth bale in that category you know i i even used to put phil jones in that category when uh, he, he used to play in 2012 and 13 you know, because sir alex ferguson just termed that he could be man united's best ever signing and then he used to put in consistent performances and uh, you know I, i looking at his performances i used to say if injuries did not exist he would have been the best center back of england and uh, you know and, and and you know i used to remind people the fact that whenever phil jones plays you don't concede more than two goals i have never seen that but ever since uh, you know jose mourinho came in and you know phil jones uh, you know got more and more injured he's been uh, becoming terrible and terrible so i think i don't you uh, know manager wouldn't shouldn't gamble with a injury prone prone player no matter how good he is because ultimately he's going to be out for half the games so uh, you know the money is not worth it uh, and and probably not having a center back to be honest so i think kalidu kuriwali we should get him at any cost you know why because in his whole career of probably 11 years uh, as of now in his whole 11 years career he's been only injured for 10 days in his whole career and that to those 10 days uh, were in the 2012 and 13 season 
uh, at some uh, club I don't remember exactly. So he's only been injured for 10 days in his whole career, and he's been fit all this time, and he's been consistently playing like 45 to 50 games a season for uh, clubs that is that he has been. Uh, not Napoli and probably I don't know the other club uh, he has been at. So I think Koulibaly and obviously he's got a huge amount of pace. His physique is amazing. His ball delivering uh, ability is amazing. He eats the game really, really well. And you know uh, he's very, very good in the air, which is something that we need. And he's very dominating. And I think the you know when you talk about Kalidu Koulibaly, the game that only comes to my mind is the Liverpool game, the Liverpool versus Napoli game. I know Salah uh, dribbled past him and scored the goal, but I think in that game he was absolutely brilliant. And that was probably one of those games that I had uh, watched Kalidu Koulibaly closely. So I think, uh, yeah, but I think Koulibaly is a must. And I think, to be honest, I've done transfer research. You know, I, as I was just telling you before starting the podcast that I was doing some research and I was preparing some stuff for uh, doing it to my podcast. And I, I think I did a good amount of research on uh, transfer budgets and how they work and uh, work out with respect to the contract clauses and etc. And Koulibaly, we can get him for 80, 80 million and 85 at max. Uh, so I think Koulibaly, uh, we have got to get him, you know. But the only concern with Koulibaly is he is 27 years old and he's going to turn 28 in probably June. And, uh, you know, if you compare his age and Van Dyke's age, they've just got a difference of one one month. So, and what happens with centre-backs is as they approach 30 years of age, uh, you know, they they start sort of declining. You know, I've seen this with Watongan and Ian Lavera very, very much. Uh, they're at Spurs, so I've seen that with them. And even Vincent Company, I've seen uh, it uh, very much. You know, injuries and stuff like that, you know, that uh, leads to declination in your game. So that's my only concern. But I think if you've got a challenge for the title at the immediate uh, FS, I think Koulibaly is the ready-made product that's out there, world-class. And you can just straight away get him, put him in the team and He'll just be amazing. That that's what I believe. Uh, and if if you know Koulibaly is not available due to one of those reasons that I just mentioned, then I think Milan Skriniar is the next option, or maybe Matias Delit. But Delit is probably more costlier than. So I think Skriniar would be a very Barcelona. I think Delit is going to Barcelona. Yeah, Delit also wants to probably go to Barcelona. So I think. Um, Skriniar is an, another good option uh, that I would like to keep up for backup. And so I think cheaper also. Yeah, Skriniar would be 10, yeah, 10 so or 15 uh, million cheaper. What than I thought was, uh, instead of Koulibaly, like he's 85. So I think in that price, I think you can get Milan, Skriniar and plus one young centre-back. Like Akanji, I think, will be quite good. So yeah, but, if you can get but two centre-backs... The problem is not getting centre Like, see, the, uh, the reason why I thought... Even I had considered one of these options that you're consider, telling me right now. But the reason why I didn't do that is because uh, right now we've got about five centre-backs. Eric Bailly, Marcos Rojo, yeah, so like see, and uh, four of those players are on uh, contracts right now, there are none of them is just free to go. So I think, uh, and we have got Axel Twenzabe at Aston Villa, who is probably the best player Aston Villa have got 
at this squad. So I think why waste your money on someone who's young and developing? Instead, you can uh, call back Axel Tuanzabi, uh, chuck Phil Jones out of the squad, and put uh, you know Axel Tuanzabi as your third choice centre back. Because Liverpool, you know, they, uh, Jurgen Klopp showed trust in Joe Gomez, and he played him alongside Virgil Van Dijk, and he has been absolutely brilliant uh, with. Van Dyke and people uh, sort of tell that Joe Gomez is one of the best centre backs of England right now, and he is a bit more younger than Tuanzabe. And Tuanzabe, I remember at 21 years of age, he was pocketing Alexis Sanchez in his prime years at right back, playing at right back. So I think why not give uh, people like Tuanzabe a chance uh, by bringing in one world class centre back and keeping Tuanzabe as a backup so that you can rotate him and give him game time. I think you know. Uh, People like Tuanzabe uh, deserve it, and I've I've seen uh, games of Tuanzabe, and he's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think, you know, instead of bringing in, I think bringing in should be a part of football, and transfers is a necessary part of football. But I think, along with transfers, I think promoting is something that's needed to be done. I think so. I think uh, um, I think Tuanzabe uh, should be promoted, and Koulibaly or Askren should be brought. But, but uh, Koulibaly being the first choice. He'll be a third-choice centre back, which means Lindelof is going yeah. to be our starting centre back. But do you yeah, think he's Lindelof good enough? And, Lindelof and Koulibaly. Is, Lindelof, Lindelof, Lindelof and Koulibaly. Uh, Lindelof. Yeah. Ah, Lindelof. Lindelof has been very, very consistent for us this season. And no, but you I compare think, him to Liverpool's or uh, City's centre back. I don't think he's better than anyone. I don't think uh, he's better than Laporte, Stones, Van Dijk, Gomez. Even obviously, obviously Lindelof is still uh, developing, to be honest. And I think uh, to get to that level, I think it will take some time. And look, uh, you know, not all players are you know world-class players. You know, some play- some players uh, in football. Uh, you know, if you put some decent player along, if you talk about Lindelof, if you put someone like a Koulibaly with him, he will be very good, uh, Lindelof. Because uh, then what what he will do is he's a ball playing centre back. So if he's got someone like a Koulibaly who's very dominant and very fast, he'll be fearless. He'll take the ball forward and he'll pull, uh, put in uh, crosses into strikers and stuff like that. And he'll be even more confident while defending and. I think Lindelof, uh, what, what's been best about his uh, game this season is that he started to read the game really, really well. And he's very fearless on people. And I think the best performance that I've seen on, uh, from Lindelof is on Solomon Rondon against Newcastle uh, this season. I think Rondon is someone who's very physically strong and Lindelof dealt with him very well. I think this season is the stepping season for Lindelof, and I think we should be patient with some players. And I think Lindelof is someone who will very uh, develop very, very well. And I, I'm, I definitely agree with you. He's not as good as John Stones or Van Dijk or Lap- Laporte and people like that. Not even David Luiz probably. But I think uh, Lindelof has been very, very good. And I think I definitely believe there's development in him. And I think we should play him alongside some uh, uh, Koulibaly or someone Skriniar, and he'll be brilliant. I believe. I have one more like uh, I have one more uh, person I'd like to throw up. Like if you want a great player in the Premier League, like who's good and who's probably gettable, I think Christensen from Chelsea would be quite good. I think because he yeah, I don't think he's gonna get in the squad anytime soon, and Sari doesn't like value him much. Also, so I think you can get him for cheap. Plus, he's quite good. I think. Yeah, uh, but look. Christensen, uh, I know where where you got this Christensen idea from because I even heard 
that uh, you know source from where you got this idea of getting crack Anders Christensen. But I purely believe that Anders Christensen is a, system, a player who depends on system. You know there are uh, there are players in football you know who perform uh, perform according to the system that the team plays. You know, uh, for example, take Nemanja Matic. You know, put him in a system where you play two CDMs and he'll be very, very good. One CDM will act as a CDM and as well as a box-to-box midfielder. A best example, Chelsea, uh, when they won the title with Kante and Matic. And another player is, uh, as I was just mentioning, uh, Andreas Christensen. He's just a back three player. And Man United, if you talk about long-term, the best formation, it's, it's got to be 4-3-3. And, uh, you know... Uh, Christensen doesn't fit on a back four for me. Uh, so I think Christensen, yeah, he's a good defender. But I think in, in a back four, I think I think we can we can have better options than Christensen. And uh, in the and Premier League, like below the top six, also I think there are some good centre backs like Isa Diop from West Ham. Yeah. Isa Diop from West Ham was someone I considered like very. He was quite good. And uh, another guy, Fabian Share from Newcastle, was another guy. I Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, so I think they might be good options. But the reason I'm putting out this, uh, like, cheap centre-back options, are like, I think there are bigger problems. I think Man United midfield is quite a big problem as well because apart from Paul Pogba, I think I don't have faith in anyone else. Like, I don't think Ander Herrera is quite good and Matic is not getting any younger. So, I think, like, if you can, uh, like, what do you say, save money on centre-backs, I think midfield is one of one place, like, where you can invest quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all about opinion, you know. So, uh, but like, yeah, centre back, you know, it's all about look. Uh, you've got to keep investing time after time. That's uh, that's now how the market works, to be honest. And yeah, midfield is an area I think United should be investing if they want to compete. Obviously, they've got to invest mainly in defense and midfield. And I think, you know, firstly, saving money is not what United should be doing, you know, because United are one of the richest clubs in the world. You know, their annual turnover is the highest in world football every year. They earn about, what, 600, 700 million a year. And I think, you know, instead of Edward Wood eating up all the money, they didn't even spend a hundred million last uh, in this uh, summer window of 2018-19. Yeah, so that was surprising. They've got enough like, money, so I think money, money City shouldn't. Be, yeah, you look at yeah, money shouldn't Okay, yeah. So yeah. I was just saying, you look at City and Liverpool. You just see, like they have put huge investments in. Like City has spent uh, 250 mil, I think, since Guardiola came. Some somewhere around that. Uh, like bigger and even uh, Liverpool have spent like around 200 mil since Klopp came so like you need big investments so United must not shy from that like you were saying yes I completely agree I think there's one 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 more thing that the manager should be uh, you know uh, uh, capable to identify who's a good player to just come into the squad and uh, you know the investment yeah that, that's what that I was uh, trying to get into one of my podcasts uh, that I'm going to do later that uh, the, the, just to save the transfer budget I think the manager should also have a player in mind who, who would come in the budget that the board is offering and obviously will fix problems at the team I think Klopp has done that Guardiola has done that and I think they've been successful at that yeah and so I would just like to take a break uh, for a minute and I'll just uh, tell you about my midfield okay Okay. Uh, yeah, so 
like wait so not that was about the center back thing so i think we need to move on to the mid to uh, area which is absolutely very important and there are many 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 options out there uh, that no people are coming up with that united should be going for this midfielder that midfielder and etc etc but i think talking about midfield one midfielder we should definitely go out all out and get get him for any money is um atango and dembele i think this season this guy whenever i watched him at leon i think he has been absolutely phenomenal he's done a very very good job he's he's box to box he can play at cdm but most of his good performances are like a box to box midfielder so i think this season tangui and dembele has been absolutely brilliant to be honest i think we should get this guy at any cost uh, considering the fact that uh, and herrera is leaving man united so i think we've got to get this guy at any cost um so i think uh, tangui and dembele is one and as a cdm okay i've gone the, for this guy this might probably uh, be surprising but i've gone for thomas party of atletico madrid i think we've got to fix him so he was linked with him the uh, city city were linked with him uh, i think the reason why i, I would go with uh, thomas party is because uh, you know atletico madrid are a team that uh, you know play a central defensive midfielder that kind of tracks back uh, the runners as well uh, the wide runners as well which normally not not all cdms do because some uh, some cdms they just uh, focus more on positional marking in front of the center backs that's something that's been that that's been a feature of many uh, well renowned cdms but thomas partey is a bit a different kind of a cdm and i think he's very fast is very tenacious and i think he moves the ball very quickly and um, i think uh, thomas partey would be a very very good uh, fit and he will uh, he's got a 60 million release clause so that's that's what we'll be getting uh, him for so 60 for partey and 60 for endembele uh, so that's 120 uh, plus 60 for van bissaka so 180 uh, plus uh, 80 for kulibali uh, that's uh, that's how much uh, i think that's 260 right yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. two, that, that's 260 so and the reason why thomas partey would be enough for united is because fred now is showing that he's a cdm i have been telling this for a long 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 time now i'll just tell you the story of fred fred was a player at shakhtar donetsk and pep guardiola was after fred to replace him with fernandinho as their cdm because he's very fast he's very tenacious and he's got he's got similar traits to that of a fernandinho and some people dub him like the kanti like fast tenacious midfielder who does very good job with the ball and uh, and he's very good in uh, distribution as well pep guardiola was after fred uh, to replace him with fernandinho but we we got fred ahead of man city and jose mourinho probably i don't know why but he planned him to play like a box to box midfielder which I, which i thought from the first day was uh, not the right thing to do and i've still spoken to a lot of man united fans on discord uh, on their calls and i've told them this look i would any day put chuck in fred at cdm and look what he is like and they were like it's a big risk why are you doing that i know uh, no one would do that and not even andres pereira not even fred you can't just chuck in fred at cdm and you can't just do uh, you know that job no and yesterday not yesterday before yesterday when uh, united and barcelona played that that was a perfect proof for you that how good fred can be at cdm he was fast he was tenacious and he was literally winning everything he was literally winning those half balls 
and he was literally tracking my runners his work rate was phenomenal and i was like look that that that's the reason why i was telling pep was after him to replace with, uh, him with fernandinho and i think thomas partey and fred can be very good cdms at manchester united and i think that i think depth enough uh, in man united squad to i think challenge for a title i think so partey and fred are very good at cdm so okay, i think so, that so yeah. uh, like my midfield like i have gone like i i think i completely agree with you like fred can be a totally amazing cdm so but i've i've, I've gone for another cdm and i've gone for a like i uh, okay so my cdm first is wilfred and dd from leicester yeah this is a great great guy cuz uh, i don't know how costly it be i think uh, like yeah, i have i've checked this even i've checked this uh, transfer budget and i think uh, he's gonna he's gonna uh, you know be sold for 25 million by leicester and 10 million you have got a 10 million you've got to pay for his uh, former club i think uh, that before from where she came so i think it's 35 million so yeah so i think wilfred and dd is quite good i think if you can get him in it will be great so uh, and so now we go to the right of midfield and this guy can i, I guess think, can i guess yeah. uh, which were, i think you've gone for adama dakure adama dakure no <laughs> okay then okay. i got it wrong okay fine this guy is just he's probably the best youngster like best teenager in europe currently he's just tearing apart the bundesliga right now sky havertz from bayer leverkusen and oh uh, this is a very very unexpected one i didn't expect this one okay yeah. i was i was out of bundesliga but i think i i never expected that you know man united can consider this guy yeah i so think it. he's i think uh, he just he's he's a two so he's a two uh, like he solves two problems in one cuz he'll be great at right of midfield uh, he he just creates a lot of chances and he can play in the right wing as well he played there like quite for quite some time uh, yeah. for leverkusen so he's just solves two problems as one and the reason i like this guy is because he reminds me a lot of my favorite player he's he just so much like kevin de bruyne like the passes he makes the positions he takes up like he's just if if you can develop him like if man united uh, like training such so, like Uh, yeah, like backroom staff can train him. He he can be one of the best players in the world, like because he's he's already doing that in the Bundesliga. Like he has 12 goals uh, and I I think five assists or something this season, which is really good for him midfield. So I think this guy is. I'm really excited about him. Like if you if you can get him at Man United, he can be great for you. Yeah. Uh, but but do you think that as soon as you get him, you can just straight away put him in the lineup and he will be. He, do you think he will be a part of man united's title winning squad can even a title like man united yeah i think he totally can like okay for the uh, firstly i i don't think uh, man united are going to challenge for the title next season i think this is going to take two years two years um, two, yeah, two to three years realistically yeah look realistically what fans think is uh, some realistic fans think is it needs two seasons for winning a title but uh no there are mo- the majority of the fans they are going like bring in five players asap and uh, let's go for the title next season no, no, like, I, obviously i would obviously oppose that but uh, even in two years okay maybe in two years time yeah but do you think at immediate can he can uh, win a title with united no, i don't know what that that just depends on the, the quality of the rest Because, of the team but yeah. if he can get if he can get uh, him good game time like next year then like from nafra the year after that i think he can be great like uh, i think bernardo silva i think has grown that like last year he was 
given uh, for, he, he was given quite a bit of game time uh, he was taken off for Kevin De Bruyne and he was given some time like not that much time but this year he's just gone into the role and changed it completely like i think he can do that kai havertz uh and do you have any idea how much are we getting him for if he can it's going to be costly i think like above 50 but uh, i think yeah uh, yeah obviously because right now the current market is like uh as soon as there is any young talent you know you can just hype him up yeah. and you can sell him for very lot of money but the good news so, is yeah. like not many players not many clubs are linked with him i saw arsenal was linked yeah. with him for some time back and, and, and i think yeah i and uh if i'm not wrong i think spurs were linked with him uh in january probably yeah probably, but uh, you know what my fear is like if you don't get him this year uh, the year after that he's going to go to bayern munich like every yeah every german, german yeah every, yeah that's the thing with the german and one more thing is like the, when whenever german players come to premier league they kind of take some time to adapt i mean nabi kate is the best example you know that guy was a beast at leipzig and i think as soon as he went to liverpool i was like bloody hell liverpool are going to be brilliant with this guy but i think nabi kate the real nabi kate didn't turn up for liverpool so i think i i kind of got the same fear in this case but i, I don't think manera will be linked to him I don't think let's so, but if they yeah, are, I, 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 let's I think he'll be great player. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of him. That's why I just put this out. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay, so I think this, the front line. Okay, so I think only one. Okay, wait. So I, I think you know, uh, in the front line, you need to replace, uh, you know, you know, two players to be honest. But okay. most of the people, yeah, I think I'll, I'll tell you why. Wait. So two players. Okay, first one, obviously the right wing. and many people said jaden sancho get lost i want herving lozano uh, get him for 40 million herving lozano he will put his head down he'll play passionately for man united and i think we've got a good history with mexican players to be honest uh, chicha ricos are uh, our favorite guys and i think you know the south american players they, they're not like these typical european players who who will be you know all over the you know the brand deals and that advertisements and other for fo- non football related stuff they'll not be about that they'll be completely heads down and they'll be playing uh, with full of passion at the club and i think herving lozano is the reason i think we'll get him for cheap of course and i think he will be very very good in the premier league and especially for man united no so many people uh, say that dutch players are a flop in the premier league uh, man united don't have a great history but i think herving lozano he's certainly got the quality to be a very good right winger at man united so i think i would go for him yeah i love herving lozano but many i have met so many people not met sorry heard so many people on various podcasts on shows saying that he's just not the standard for united like he's just not up there with the best wingers in the world so do you think yeah, the the reason why yeah uh, you know the reason why people say that because he's not in a competitive league uh, compared to sancho you know sancho plays in the bundesliga and obviously bundesliga is more competitive than the advertisement but uh, i think uh, but having lozano yeah there's still development in this guy but i know he's 22 23 but yeah i think he can potentially be a very good uh, player for united but jaden sancho look i don't i don't mind getting jaden sancho jaden sancho would be amazing at united but are we going to invest that much like 100 on jaden sancho 80 on probably kulibali and then you've got a sort of two midfielders And I don't trust Edward Woodward for that. Uh, that much investment. I think 
and i think if uh, you know all he wants all the players all the positions sorted out for next season i think edward would go would go for a cheaper option and i think the cheapest best option that's probably available that's having lozano and if edward was saying look i I'll, i'll go 400 or 500 for you because you have uh, you have impressed me a lot in your team meetings and stuff like that with your transfer strategy then i think there's no there's no problem for me getting jaden sancho because he would be amazing but if you want to go for cheap then uh, i think lozano so i have told probably five players uh, that are costing 300 million but i would like to just uh, make one more transfer look if you want to win a title you need uh, every title winning side as you've seen over the years uh, they've got two cl- top class strikers and marcus ashford is uh, in his form is obviously a first choice striker at united so i think you know rashford's got to be there but i want to replace bloody lukaku you know why because his first test isn't good and he cannot be a part of a title winning team and uh, whom would i replace lukaku with look i would swap lukaku with maro ekardi and obviously pay uh, extra 50 million cash with it and uh, this sounds probably crazy but like lukaku wants to go to italy uh, ekardi is kind of I know not sure about his Inter Milan future he's not signed a contract to be honest he, he's probably, going there i'm sure he's going out of Inter Milan next season yeah because yeah, so why, why not swap Lukaku give some cash to Inter Milan and then get him out Lukaku Inter Milan and Icardi would be a good swap and i think Icardi and Rashford i think with the players that united are going to sign i think that's going to be a deadly strike force to uh, capably challenge the premier league who's going to be a starter though uh obviously so look that's the thing that's the reason why i'm getting ekardi if you look at arsenal they've got lacazette and obameyang and arsenal fans debated over every week that uh, we want uh, you know lacazette or obameyang but they debated all over but if you want a title winning team and a team that certainly wants to do well in champions league and stuff like that you got to play 60 games a season and you can't start rash for 60 games a season so it's go obviously uh, if you're going to uh play ekardi and rashford you know that you're going to get a lot of game time so i think it's got to be healthy competition uh obviously rashford should be playing uh and ekardi should be you know at at the, at in, initially uh ekardi should be on the bench because he's not familiar with the premier league and rashford should be starting and as soon as all these things that uh, okay i've given rashford my chance now i think i should put on ekardi then i think uh, ekardi uh, can play and show his worth if he's worth the premier league I think Icardi will be very very good at Man United. He's a very very good player and I think I just like him. And no. I obviously wanted Timo Werner but Timo Werner is going to Bayern so yeah, he's surely going to Bayern. I'm pretty sure. And Piatek of AC Milan. Piatek I don't think AC Milan are going to sell him. He will be great I think but I don't think AC will sell him. I think does he suit United though? I I he's a great he's a great finisher like if you yeah, he's a very very great he'll, finisher. He'll, he'll and finish he'll, he'll definitely you. he'll definitely be uh, Poland's number number one striker once Lewandowski retires. That's definitely sure. But um, I think let's see my United what happens. Okay so like my my biggest problem with that was Mauro Mauro Icardi will not yeah, his ego is too big I think to be the second fiddle to Rashford. Yeah uh, yeah wait look i'm not telling uh, you know ricardo should be second in the last word it's like bro oli oli is like uh, whenever these big games come to be uh, united uh, he he kind of likes to go with two strikers 
you know, uh, Rashford and Lukaku. So, like, if you want to play two, two strikers like that in a 4-4-2 or maybe a 3-5-2, then why, uh, why not bring in someone like an Icardi uh, instead of Lukaku? It'll be very, very better in link-up plays and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, look, Rashford this season, if you, if you observe, uh, if you have observed Rashford for the last two or three months, then I think Rashford hasn't been that great. And whom do we replace Rashford with? The, the only the only option we've got is Romelu Lukaku. And Lukaku, you know, you can't you can you can't expect him to turn up uh, at big games like Barcelona or maybe a PSG or like that. Don't they have any academic? Yeah, like upcoming strikers. Yeah, that that's what I was going to tell. Uh, Icardi and Rashford obviously with the first first attackers, and then you've got someone like a Lozano or a Sancho at right wing, and you obviously promote Mason Greenwood, Tahir Chong, and Angel Gomez. So Greenwood can be a very very good guy for United. So I think uh, Greenwood should be promoted, Chong Chong should be promoted, and Gomez promoted. So that's that's it. Yeah. So if if I uh, I would just add one thing, if you were looking for a striker, I think. Instead of Icardi, I think this guy is going to be cheaper, and, and I think he's better than Icardi. Luka Jovic from Luke, Eintracht he, Frankfurt. He he is a better off right winger, and I, I think I've seen enough of Jovic, but he is not a typical number nine. To be honest, he is not a typical number nine. Yeah, and but he solves your right wing problem as well. Like you can play. But, but he doesn't shoot many right. He doesn't shoot many right for a first. I, I've I've uh, I've watched him enough, and I think I don't think he will suit in all his system because. Uh, you know, because he he'll probably you know uh, you know he you know he's not got the ability to cut out from wide. He he's more of a player that wants to be more you know probably what do you say what do you call that term in football? You know he he he's not those typical right wing cutting players. Uh, that that's what uh, he's one of those right wing cutting players, not a centre forward to be honest. So I think I, I I think you Luka Jovic might not be a Man United player to be honest. Uh, you know he'll be good at very uh, other clubs, but I think United uh, are I think not his system. I think I think I think. Okay, one last player I would like to throw out there since you talk about that right winger. What about Leon Bailey? Uh, I would love I would love Leon Bailey. I, I know you even remember how how great you used to talk about Leon Bailey. Yeah. How amazed we were. Uh, he fallen off this season though. Like last season yeah, was amazing. And uh, he he has publicly told out that uh, I would love to play at right wing, but I have seen him play more uh, left. Uh, to be honest, for Leon. But he so, can play uh, either way. Sorry, uh, Leverkusen. Yeah, he can play right wing, and if we if we can get him, he would be absolutely brilliant, to be honest. And he's left-footed, so and left-footed players somehow prefer the right side. So I think Leon Bailey, Jaden Sancho, Herving Lozano, bring anyone, I'll be very happy. Okay, so I think we should wrap this up then. Yeah. Okay, so this is the last question in the question series. This is this is quite interesting, though. I I thought this question was for whoever thought of it. It was one of my friends. I don't remember his name, but this question is genius. Like. Uh, the, so the question is, who would finish higher in the Premier League? Brighton managed by Mauricio Pochettino, Fulham managed by Pep Guardiola, or Cardiff managed by Jurgen Klopp. Oh, so this this, this, this one hell of a question. Yeah, this was quite interesting. Ah, uh, so with the squad that they have got? Yeah, yeah. You mean only only the managers? Pop. Like um, you can't make any transfers or anything. So okay, so three so. Three positions I have to uh, choose, right? So okay, I'll just go simple. Br- Brighton will finish uh, up the highest among the three teams. Uh, Fulham will finish second, and Cardiff will finish third. Reason why? 
Fulham have still got the players that could somewhere nearly satisfy Pep Guardiola's uh, philosophy. Juan Michael Seri is a very, very good player. I think he will he will be someone I think Pep Guardiola will admire if he were to manage Fulham any time. And Cardiff has not got a single player who can play for Jurgen Klopp. I mean, like, you know, if Cardiff players start running and playing uh, game-pressing football, they'll be done for, like, what, after 55 minutes of football, they, they'll be done. Teams will go and smash them out. I think Cardiff will never, never, ever, you know, finish higher above than Brighton or Fulham under Jurgen Klopp, I think. With Justice. I think Brighton have got very, very good players, I think. Pascal Gross and, you know, these are the players, uh, I think, Pochettino will be good at managing. And I think Pochettino has got that experience uh, of managing these young coming through players, I think. So I think Pochettino will finish first. And Pep will finish second and Cardiff third for me. What so about I agree with you that even uh, Cardiff will probably end up last because they have the worst squad and it's fair. Like even yeah. if you put like Pep Guardiola as the best manager in the world right now, but even if you put him there, I don't think it will make much of a difference. Yeah, so, I know this question would have been more interesting if Pep would have been the manager of Huddersfield, Klopp of Cardiff, and uh, I think. Uh, and Pochettino for Burnley, maybe. You know, maybe Burnley is too good. But, yeah, Burnley uh, is quite good. Right? Yeah, quite good. <laughs> so, I think, yeah. I think, I think Fulham, Fulham would, and Brighton would be, like, neck to neck. I think it'll be quite close. Because Fulham yeah. have got the players, but they just don't have the manager. Okay, so, anyway, I think I'll agree with you. Like, Brighton will probably finish the best, because they have the best squad. Yeah. Okay, so, fine. Let's move on to the Champions League, then. Which match do you want to talk about first? Manu Barca? Um, okay, so that that was obviously the stand-up picture of, out of the weekend, obviously. So, wait, so we put in a very good performance against Barcelona, to be honest. Uh, I appreciate that performance. So, I think great performance by players. Fred was obviously my man of the match. I was just McTominay was quite good as well. McTominay is very, very, very good. I think he was better than what I expected. Pogba, I think uh, people are criticizing Pogba, but I think Pogba, uh, it was all due to instructions given by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think Pogba didn't do very bad, didn't do very good. He was, but he was very passionate to be honest. And I think there were moments I think where I thought Pogba is not uh, like this is not uh, in, uh, you know his natural role to be honest. That that was not his natural role. What Ole was trying to do is he was telling Pogba to get into the box and for. For God's sake, he was telling Ashley Young to get the ball and cross into the box. And yeah, he was Young, 10 cross, like, he had zero. Ashley Young, why, why did Ashley Young play the game? I mean, I think Ashley played? Young is one of the worst players currently in the United yeah, Kingdom. Diogo he was... He was at, he, I like Diogo Dalo's performance at left back. I like Diogo Dalo. And, 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 and whenever, uh, and I think uh, after 55 minutes or so, literally begging that Oli, please put Diogo Dalo on right back. Luke, please uh, allow Luke Shaw to become the left back and allow him to go forward and just bring Jesse Lingard instead of uh, Lingard or Amaskel instead of Ashley Young because this guy was absolutely terrible. And like, what did he do literally, Ashley Young? I can't slate him enough. Man. Like, but that's just I, have, I have like one doubt. Like, Oli must have told him like to put crosses in the box, right? And Barca, look, Bar- Barcelona could have easily closed down Ashley Young uh, before he, he could even put the crosses. But the reason why he didn't uh, close him down and just allowed him to try his crosses is because he was not 
not a threat no barcelona but they're so confident that look this guy give him just space he can't put in a cross they were that bloody confident instead they just uh, filled the box with uh, more players so that even if ashley young ends up putting one cross out of what 30 40 crosses it might uh, they, they they've got defenders to outnumber united so like my question was, here is yes, like yes. Is, is there anyone in united squad apart from lukaku who's good in the air no absolutely uh, and pogba has got to be one the pogba can do that job but like pogba is can... a midfielder right he won't get into yeah, the position yeah but but like that's what all he does right so whenever he plays uh, his best team like that's what he does whenever lukaku sorry not lukaku uh, whenever pogba is of the ball of possession and someone like a martial or rashford or lingard or maybe a herrera has got the ball that's what uh, oli instructs uh, pogba he he just tells pogba to get into the box so that someone like an Ashley Young if he ever puts across or maybe a Hander Herrera or maybe a Martial or a Lingard or maybe a Rashford can put him across and Pogba can use his body to probably head it in and uh, that was very evident uh, in Oli's start as Man United manager you know as if you have seen the starting the first few games um, you know uh, i think that that's when Pogba used to do this best uh, this at his best because no one used to mark him quite well i think now i think teams are just swamping him up with uh, many players and i think uh, i think yeah, pogba can do that pogba can do that and the best example of why pogba can do that was last season against manchester city at the like you just like to bring that up right yeah obviously i have to right <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, so Alexis Sanchez put in very good uh, cross to Pogba and he just did that job. So I think Pogba is a very good guy in the air. He can do jobs uh, for United. And I think, yeah, so I think it's, it's all due to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactic. If he had told Pogba just have more of the ball and try something uh, creative out of this, then I think Pogba would have had a different game. But, But are, think, you, are you disappointed? Because... Barcelona, yeah, I'm absolutely really bad. And yeah, I'm absolutely, dis- absolutely like, disappointed. I I thought from minute one we shouldn't have sat back. I, I was, uh, you know, when Barcelona were having the ball and United were just standing and looking at them, I was like, why why are we doing this? You know, we we haven't we we don't even know whether Barca are going to really come at us. We respected them too much. Uh, for a start, three-five-two was not the correct formation to play. Four-three-three was probably the correct formation to play. I think the or done the gamble by playing in. Lingard and Martial instead of Lukaku and I think midfield was good I think Dalo should have played it at right back and Lukaku at left back and Smalling and Lindelof who are there so I think 4-3-3 should have been there and we should have gone at Barca all out but I, I think, thought this was a missed opportunity for United like yeah, if, they have, if they would have got the lead an, if, uh, back at camp no, then it would have been tough for Barcelona like if yeah. they would have won this 2-1 this, this was a missed opportunity and I think Oli should learn from this I think He needs to realize that Ashley Young is a very big weakness at Man United, and he needs to sort that out. I think mean, the formation that he played was wrong. I think he he restricted Luke Shaw, which I thought was very very uh no not not fair to be honest. Because Luke Shaw, if you allow him to go forward, he's a very very good player. And I think against uh, teams like Barcelona, I think he should have been given the license to just go forward and become a threat. To be honest, because I thought uh, Luke Shaw could have put in better crosses than Ashley Young. for god's sake anyone could uh, have put in better crosses yeah even 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 scott mctominay could have done that but scott mctominay was not instructed to put in crosses what should i tell now so like and oh my god even victor lindelof puts in better crosses to be honest you know and and he puts in from central areas i've seen 
Lindo are putting in crosses to Lukaku from uh, center back position. Lindo is quite good at ball playing. Yeah, and he can even play a right back. So I would, I would rather prefer Lindo love than Ashley Young to be honest. So yeah, so I think Oli got it wrong. I think. The best part that I loved about the game is the, the, the performance of Fred, especially I think the, the, as I just mentioned during the transfer segment that you know uh, Fred Fred was this uh, always this tenacious uh, fast midfielder who could just get the ball and just uh, play like Fernandinho. I think he was very very good. He broke up the play really really well. Scott McTominay, yeah, I like this performance, but uh, you know there were certain moments where I thought okay. I can I can spare this lad for this and this lad needs to improve, but but still fair play to Scott McTominay. Uh, Lukaku, this guy was invisible to be honest. This <laughs> he guy he was, is like basically invisible in big games. Like what did he from... literally do? I think I just remember two two incidents wherein wherein he just trapped the ball in and allowed uh, Marcus Rashford to get the ball or something like that. This guy was invisible. I think I don't know why this guy played. I, and I think I was very, very, uh, you know, impatient uh, to just see Marcia on the pitch instead of Lukaku. And I think eventually that happened. And Rashford, Rashford had a very, very bad game to be honest. And I think at least he was better than Lukaku because at least he tried some shots at goal, even though they were nowhere near. But I think he at least tried some shots. But I think Marcus Rashford was terrible. I think he needs to be given some rest. Uh, I agree to that fact. And I think. I think uh, you know Rashford. Rashford was better than Lukaku. And Martial. who else is left? Martial. Martial when he came on, he had a very good moment. He just dribbled past uh, two or three players, and then uh, he passed the ball to someone probably. I think uh, McTominay or someone, or maybe Ashley Young. I don't remember. And the ball got intercepted. And then from there, uh, Martial didn't make much of an impact. And as Pereira came in at left wing as a substitute. And I think uh, he 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 couldn't make much of an impact. And Jesse Lingard was was not too good. And he and even he made a foul on Arthur Vidal. I think it was a satisfying foul because he just threw Vidal out of the pitch. I think that was a very good foul. I remember uh, one like one chance for United. Like at the back post, someone delivered a cross, and at the back post there was a header, but he missed it. Was it? I don't I don't remember who the player was, but. Oh yeah, but Diego Dalo it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it, a big it, chance. Like if that would have yeah, gone. Yeah, Rashford, Rashford put him across and Diego Dalo. Yeah, but obviously you can't expect Dalo to head it in because he's a full back for God's sake. It was empty at the back post. That was big chance. Yeah, I thought. I thought. I thought yeah, but I thought he's a, he's just a kid, 19 years old. He, he played better than Ashley Young. That that's all I could say. I I could have been, and Lukaku for God's sake, Pogba could have put in a very good cross. I remember in the first half. Pogba put in a very good cross and Lukaku was just jumped, just jumped, missed the ball by a huge margin and he just uh, rose his hand and he just clapped Pogba and like I, I have seen Pogba getting annoyed by players like Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku a lot. I mean like this this guy will, will be like bloody hell why are they, they even at Manchester United these are these are not players of my quality I I don't need these players and I think I just feel sad for some of these players. But overall, but no. good through ball also in the first half. Yeah, I think. yeah. Some, I don't remember who it was. I'm just blanking uh, out over this game. Ah, uh, yeah. He put it uh, put it to Rashford. And yeah, I think, uh, that was also uh, good Rashford, Rashford, yeah. Rashford uh, took the ball in. I think he took mo- uh, more displacement and he started running fast. And I think Gerard Pique just uh, put in a sliding tackle. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was. Uh, but Gerard Pique was man of the match. I think he had a good. He was. Uh, he, he had a good homecoming at uh, Old Trafford, and yeah, I I don't uh, hate him much. I think uh, he's a he's a good player. I admire him a lot. I think uh, it was a good uh, comeback to Old Trafford, 
I think he deserved to be the man of the match. I think Langley was very, very vulnerable. He came away the ball so many times when he pressed them high. Look, I agree. Many people told this, and I, I would still tell it. If that day on on Wednesday, if Barcelona were playing like that against Liverpool or Man City, they would have been dead like anything. Four yeah. or five one easily. Liverpool would have given pressed them off, and like Barcelona would have been on their foot. Like literally, they wouldn't, have, could have, they wouldn't have been able to get off Liverpool's half. I think. Yeah, and I think I was just bloody hoping that if United had someone like a Sergio Aguero or someone like that in this moment, we could have finished off the match. Salah even. Like, yeah, Mo Salah, but even he misses some chances. And nowadays, he, no, he has missed some chances. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the pressing, like in general. Yeah, yeah, even Mo Salah does very good pressing. Even we've, we've got good presses of balls. We've got Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford. Rashford pressed well. Um, Lingard presses really, really well. I, 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 I really admire Lingard's pressing. Uh, but yeah, I think we all missed the trick there. I think that he should have uh, not shown Barcelona that much respect. And I think I definitely agree. This was a missed opportunity. And I think if and people are being very confident that yeah, look, we came back came back at PSG and won. But I am not very confident at Camp Nou. And Barca is when, at PSG. Right? Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're better. And Messi is a different beast at Camp Nou, to be honest. And. Um, and Messi could have been a different beast here, except if Smalling wouldn't have injured him. Yeah, yeah. we were trying to kill Lionel Messi, literally. <laughs> uh, but problem but look, when, if, if we go to Camp Nou and we lose uh, the second leg, then people are going to regret that we should have uh, won the second leg or, or got something out of it. So I completely agree. That was uh, a very big missed opportunity for us. But I think... Uh, we haven't, uh, uh, to be honest, on paper, we, we did not have a very good squad to compete teams like Barcelona. And Barcelona are not winning the Champions League, to be honest. It's got to be between City, uh, Liverpool or Juventus. Uh, okay, Ajax, if Ajax are going to beat Juventus, then I'll be interested to see who's going to win. You know? I think it's uh, going to be Liverpool versus City. They are the best teams in Europe, I think. Yeah. And that's yeah. the so, for the Premier but I think, League. Uh, but, uh, but I think with the midfield that we had good, okay, good performance, but I think missed opportunity. That's it for me, from Man and Barcelona. Yeah, so talking about showing too much respect, I think we showed too much respect to Spurs, for God's sake. Like, we are the best team in the competition. Like, we, sh- we shouldn't be afraid of anyone. But Guardiola, like, put out two people in the middle of the park. In Gunduan and Ferdinand, uh, sorry, Fernandinho. Like, that that was, I, I thought we played very bad, I think. This was a uh, really bad performance from us. I, I was disappointed in that for the first time this season, I think. Like, I, the same thing you said for Barcelona, like, you showed them too much respect. I think we showed too much respect to Spurs. Uh, like, uh, we were too afraid to go press them that much. And uh, we, we, of course, had the domination of position like we do all do almost every time. But we didn't do much with it. And Spurs, I think, deserve to win. I think they had the better chances. But if Aguero would have scored, I think that would have changed the tie. But Yeah, but then, uh, I also saw Tottenham had a lot of shots, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, good shots, to be honest. Yeah. Like, seriously, that was, that was bad. I, I, can't, I can't say much about that. It was just Pep caught his tactics wrong. And he's left it open at the Etihad. Like, if they get an away goal, it's going to be hard for us. That's why I said I was genuinely scared. Like, I messaged to you, like, I was genuinely scared now. Because if they yeah. get an away goal, like, it could be Liverpool left for us all over again. So but uh, earlier in the show, you said uh, Spurs have not got Harry Kane. So, do you think without Harry Kane, they can get an away goal at Etihad? They might. I'm, I'm not too confident in that defense, for God's sake. Like, 
<laughs> I think we can concede one goal. And if we concede one goal, I think scoring three against Spurs is going to be tough. So we have to uh, focus on not giving up goals. And if we don't give up goals, I think we can score too easily against Spurs. I think two is... Do you think, do you think Spurs will try to score that one goal and just park the bus? Or maybe do you think Spurs will try and come out at you? In the second leg, maybe they will. I think I think they're going to come out at us. Like Pochettino is not that kind of manager who's just going to park the bus against us. I think he's going to bring out a pressing side. But if we can get through the initial press, I think I think we can uh, catch them uh, through the uh, through the wingers. Like Sterling was good in this game, and uh, yeah, I thought I thought uh, I think uh, it's going to be. If we don't concede the away goal, I think we'll win it. If we concede the away goal, then it's going to be interesting, I think. Yeah. That's all I think about this game. Yeah. Any any last words from you about this game? Anything um, you? Yeah. I, no, I, I hadn't seen uh, much of this game. I just watched the highlights because I, I was busy with my schedule and stuff. So, okay. about this game. So, I just watched the highlights and I thought, yeah, look, Aguero should have co- scored his penalty and I think... Spurs, uh, the bits of the build-up play that I saw in the highlights, I think they were really, really good. Was that handball, first of all? Oh, yeah, like in the VAR, uh, you know, you know whose handball was it exactly? Was I'm going to I'm not wrong? Huh? No, uh, I think it was Danny Rose. Danny Rose, okay, yeah, Danny Rose's handball, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, you know, that was an unnatural position to give a handball. Yeah, to, I thought it was a first. clear handball. Like, yeah, it was a clear handball for uh, for a first, but obviously when the ball hits the hand, uh, the referee, what they check is whether the hand is in a natural position or not. Yeah, right. You know, and if you've seen instances before in this Champions League, uh, there have been uh, there have been penalties that have been awarded to uh, teams where Otamendi, uh, Otamendi, for example, uh, conceded a penalty. I think. His hand was not in a uh, not in a natural position, uh, and I think uh, Kimpembe's hand was not in a natural position against Man United. Yeah, yeah. I think, and uh, even in this match, uh, probably uh, referee thought it was Danny Rose's hand is not in a natural position. So I think I think yeah, VAR. Uh, I've read the protocol, and I think uh, according to the protocol, a penalty can be awarded uh, if the ha- uh, if the referee thinks the arm is not in the uh, natural position of the player. So I think. Uh, I think, yeah, I think fair penalty, I think, according to the protocol. So, let's see. One thing I wanted to take your opinion was this. Is Aguero the best penalty taker in City? Because his last two penalties, I think, if I remember, was this one and it was probably Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final, which was, again, very, very bad. So, so his last two penalties have not been that great. So, I'm just thinking if we should switch to someone like Sterling or... De Bruyne, yeah, De Bruyne probably. De Bruyne is a deadly penalty taker. And uh, Aguero, you know, Aguero, you know, uh, in in his prime time, like he's still in his prime to be honest. But 2013, 14, 15, these were the times where Aguero was good at everything. Like uh, he's he was deadly in taking penalties, and I think he was very good in uh, you know even even good in taking the headers from crosses and everything. I think Aguero is very very good. Is a very good all round striker. I think penalties, yeah. Uh, as you were saying, probably he might be declining in that. But I think he was a very good penalty taker a few years back. But now I can't debate. Okay, so let's go to the game uh, game at Anfield. Which was, I don't know what to say about this. Was there anything interesting in this match? You like, do you think Porto... I, I thought Porto were uh, good. Like, they had 2-3 chances. But Liverpool, like, dominated and deserved to come out with a win. 
and it was expected of course because everyone wanted 4-2 and Liverpool got the win I think yeah like do they could have performance they could have probably got more to be honest they uh, could have but could I don't think more they're going to score against Liverpool like at least three they are not going to score against Liverpool yeah so, I completely agree I think home leg if they really want to consider this as a serious uh, encounter then probably I think they 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 have to be at the very very best uh, in the second leg so I think yeah okay so Total. we come to the last game like not chronologically the last game but in this podcast the last game it's Juventus versus Ajax and like what can you say about Ajax at this point they have surprised everyone time and time again like this this had reared the people thought they had no chance against Real Madrid and they beat them very badly in the second leg they thought they had no chance in against Juventus and they beat, I thought they were much better than Juventus they deserved to come out with the win and yeah. this this Ajax team just continues to surprise us what do you think about that yeah uh, and unfortunately you know what I de- desperately wanted to watch Ajax and Juventus but unfortunately United and Barca was on the same time so <laughs> I couldn't watch uh, Ajax and Juventus, but I did watch the highlights. And I think Ajax, you know, against Real Madrid, you know, people were telling that they cannot beat Real Madrid. The reason why people were telling us because they are still wearing in that Ronaldo hangover period. I mean, like when they had Ronaldo, they were they used to absolutely dominate quarterfinals Real Madrid. So I think the fans were still in that hangover of that. But I think Ajax thought that look, we have got a strong young team. I think we we want to make a statement, and I think they did. again in the second leg and i think they taught real madrid a good lesson i think against even juventus they played uh, passionately uh, for us and i think they put in a very very good performance against them so i think uh, they absolutely deserve to get that draw then yeah, i think chesney uh, had a great game i think if yeah, he wouldn't have had that great game that, i've seen some of his games if yeah. he wouldn't have had that great game i think ajax could have easily yeah. won this like yeah exactly so, yeah, do you think ajax will win that's my last question so endure endure it turns up just like it is at santiago bernabeu yeah that will be amazing it will be it will be amazing i want to see a goal fest you know ronaldo scoring from one side tadic and his team scoring from the other side you know a big draw a probably a crazy draw four all draw and uh, ajax go through on away goals that would yeah, be that would be that would be so Oh, that would be crazy. I and mean, like Juventus will be uh, gutted to you know knock, get knocked out in that manner. And it's it's like so sad for the Ajax team because most of the players are not going to be here next season. Like probably almost yeah. all all the big players are going to go to Ajax. Then this is a problem with many teams also. The Monaco had this great yeah. I, that was my next point. Like this is yeah. this is like Monaco team of the yeah. And even Ajax. So basically, uh, there are many teams in football. You know, and Southampton. ஆசியா Like, yeah, Arsenal uh, are dominant in the Europa League and I think, sorry, dominant in the, uh, and the Emirates, so I think uh, it was expected. Not, I wanted to talk to you about Aaron Ramsey, like, what a, he's, he's, he's probably the best midfielder, like, right now, he's, he's been playing the best midfield in Arsenal right now, and he's leaving next season, that's yeah. so sad, like, like, he's giving it his all before going and he wants the team to win at least one trophy yeah. before he leaves, so... Yeah. 
right okay so any fixtures in the premier league you want to talk about yeah like that was not that great a match so, so anyway but what was worth discussing was west ham uh, sorry uh, what was I, i forgot what was chelsea's game uh, chelsea's game this week uh, yeah yeah tunnel like hazard was Okay, so any more fixtures you want to talk about? Okay, fine. Just just one last thing I want to do. Like this is I, I've seen this being done at Sky Sports uh, and other like uh, other big uh, football podcast. So uh, I just want we'll just uh, give our views on the rest of the remaining re- uh, fixtures of Liverpool and City. We'll just give the score. Uh, like what are our predictions? Okay. Okay, so cool. Let's start with it's the final five fixtures, of course. Uh, for uh, okay, let's start with Liverpool then. Chelsea versus Liverpool. What do you think is going to be the score? Okay, I think it's going to be a draw, two all. Uh, so City versus Crystal Palace then. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> okay, I, I'll go with three two then, because uh, I think yeah, city city three two. Uh, okay, then the next game for Liverpool is Cardiff away. <laughs> okay, go. I'll I'll go for final then. Yeah, like this this just gonna be a route. Okay, so this is this is a big game coming up. City Tottenham at the Etihad. I'll probably go to nil city. Okay, then okay another big round coming up. Huddersfield versus Liverpool. Okay, I'll go three nil Liverpool. And another huge game. This this period for City is gonna probably define their season. Man United versus City. The one. The one. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a city win, two one. If uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about this because this can go either way. Like I think United can beat City if they want. Yeah, from our remaining fixtures, this is probably the one I'm least looking forward to because we might just get. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Newcastle versus Liverpool. This is gonna be big because Newcastle Newcastle is always a. Yeah, at Saint James's Park. 
This gonna be hard. No, Newcastle are gonna win. I, I'm I'm going for a draw here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a draw one all here. This 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 is gonna be a big game like this in the title race. Okay, this 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 pretty straightforward. The next one, City versus Burnley. Even this this can even go like this can be the Newcastle for Manchester City because Burnley can frustrate them. But yeah, yeah I, I I'm going with two nil here. Okay, and the last game of the season for okay let's go then City's. Uh, uh, second last game then, uh, Le- City versus Leicester, which is at Etihad. Three one. I'm going with one nil. <laughs> okay, so we come down to the last games of the last games of the season then, May twelfth. They'll all be played at the same time, right? I think. Okay, so it's Wolves versus Liverpool and Brighton versus City. You've gone for one one Liverpool draw, right? And you've gone for two City draws, I think. Uh, Man United. Yeah, yeah. So Liverpool are one point ahead. No, I think at this point they're equal. If you're going for two draws, then I'm going for. Okay, yeah. So okay, yeah. So they are, yeah. Okay, okay. Liverpool are one point ahead at this at this point. So Liverpool are going to beat Wolves to lift the trophy. You think? After thirty years, Liverpool lift the trophy. No, no. I'm I'm just talking about you. I think. Uh, I've I've gone for a city. I've gone for all city wins, I guess. Which is going to be really tough, but I'm optimistic, of course. Yeah, and they all, Crystal Palace always perform good against the top six sides. You saw against Liverpool as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm going for a City win then. I'm 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 saying City gonna win all the games till the end of the Premier League, lift the Premier League for the second time. Yeah. And it might be a great battle down under also. Cardiff trying everything to stay up. Neil Warnock. Yeah. I I fear so, but like Brighton have a really tough fixture list. He might, but looking at the fixture fixture list, it's not optimistic. Burnley are five points ahead, I think. No, but they have games against Fulham, I think, uh, and they have game against that, that game against Brighton is gonna be big, I think. Whenever I think it's this week, I think. Yeah. 
if if cardiff lose that i think they are definitely going down okay so hemant it was great having you then uh i hope to see you what time what when what time should we do next podcast then Google podcast Okay great to have you Hemant Okay that's just signing off Yeah